Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Thanks, Carl. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask uh, that what we do not know that you would teach us, uh, what we do not have that you would give us, uh, and what we are not that you would make us. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, I don't know uh, if, about you, but I have never been to the house of a person uh, and the door has been opened by a butler, uh, or that uh, the, uh, you know, we've sat down uh, to tea and, uh, and scones and that someone has come out, a servant has come out with a tray uh, of food uh, and a tray of drinks. I love uh, Hercule Poirot, uh, the, you know, with um, uh, the... ITV version of that, and he has a man, he has a butler. Uh, and I think to myself, I, I was born for another era. Uh, I would love to have a, a, a man at the door, you know, to open the door. Uh, it would be wonderful. But uh, I, although the idea of servants, you know, none of us have actually kind of come into contact with that, I suspect, uh, or very few of us, uh, the idea of servants uh, and that kind of lifestyle has enjoyed, I think, something of a renaissance in the last few years with. Uh, uh, shows like Upstairs, Downstairs uh, and Downton Abbey. Uh, I've never actually watched any of those shows. I've just seen the ads. But I think you kind of know enough uh, from the ads to work out what's going on, right? Uh, and so it seems like, uh, certainly in the case of a show like Downton Abbey, the, the, the point is to explore that relationship between uh, the working class and the ruling class. Uh, and, and in many ways, I think, also to explore the demise of the institution of, uh, of servanthood uh, and dem- the demise of, uh, or the, the elevation, if you like, uh, of the working class. Uh, as a result, now, uh, in that, as a result of that period between the two wars, uh, servants have almost completely disappeared from Western society. Uh, now to be a servant or to have a servant is considered by lots of people to be kind of degrading. 
And so in that context, I think one of the most startling things about Christianity is that God calls us to willingly embrace being a servant of other people. In a society, in a context where being a servant is looked down on, the gospel calls us to precisely that. It calls us to embrace being a servant uh, and to serve others. Uh, in a world where our highest calling is to be masters of our own destiny, uh, where our highest calling is to set our own agenda, the gospel calls us to be deeply countercultural uh, and to serve God and serve others. So as uh, in this series that we've been doing over the last little while about the habits and the disciplines of the Christian life, as we continue to think about that this morning, we're thinking about the place of serving uh, in the life uh, of Christians. Well, in order to grow in the discipline and the habit of serving, I think one of the things that we need to understand is how service lies at the very heart of the gospel itself. It lies at the very heart of the character of God uh, and the nature of the gospel. In the passage that we read, Paul urges his fellow Christians to serve one another, but more importantly, he grounds that in the character of Jesus. So he tells the Philippians that they should have the same mindset as Jesus. So look at verse 5. He says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus, as Christ Jesus, who, how did he do it? Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So Paul describes the most extraordinary truth, I think, in the whole universe. That truth is that God, the God who made us, the God who made the whole world, the God who deserves our absolute allegiance, the God whom we have rejected and abused and denigrated and spat on, that God has come down to us in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, to serve us. He has made himself nothing. He has made himself our servant. It's hard to think of anyone less deserving of being served than we are. We've rejected God, we've hated God, and yet God has served us. And it's hard to think of anyone less deserving of being a servant than God. God is God, exalted above the highest heavens. He's our creator. He is by nature greater than us. We're not talking about one human being serving another human being. We're talking about the God of heaven and earth coming to serve us, his creatures. It's extraordinary. I imagine that you built a business uh, from the ground up. You started with just yourself. You started yourself in, in, in your own garage or whatever it is. And over 50 years, you build up your business to be uh, one of the greatest businesses in that area uh, of business. And uh, it's publicly listed. It employs hundreds of employees. It has a multi-million dollar turnover. Uh, it's an amazing business. And then one day, the, the board of directors call you in. You're the CEO. They call you in. They say, we don't need you anymore. You're out. You know, we, we want to go in another direction to you. We think that we, think that we can do business better than you can. Uh, you know, thanks for your service. Uh, let's, let's walk you to the door. Uh, how would you feel about that if that was you know, your business? You'd build it from the ground up. You'd invested your life and your energy into it. You'd, I think most of us would be 
angry uh, and hurt, wouldn't we? Uh, Some of us might take them to court, you know, and do everything that we could do to wrest control out of them, out of their hands. Uh, Some of us might try and wreck their business, you know, sabotage their business, you know, complain to the papers. Uh, Some of us might try and start another business to compete, you know, try and drag all the business away, start again from scratch. But how many of us would come back to that business and say, look, (laughs) I don't have anything to do with my time anymore. I I just wondered if I could come back and I could work as a cleaner here for free. You don't need to pay me, but I'd just love to keep serving uh, serving this business. And yet that's exactly what the Bible says that God has done for us in Jesus. He made this world, he made it from scratch, he raised it up to be what it is, and we've come along and we've gone, you know what God, we don't actually need you in this business anymore. We don't need you in this world. We can take this world in a better direction. Thanks for all your time. See you later. And God has said, actually, do you know what? The way that I'm going to respond to that is by coming back and serving you. And if that wasn't extraordinary enough, that Jesus has come to serve us, the Bible tells us that Jesus didn't just come down to serve us as a cleaner, but he's come down to serve us in the most ignominious way possible by dying on a cross. How far did the Father go in serving us? He gave up his own son. How far did Jesus go in serving us? He gave up his his whole life. How, How far has God gone in serving us? He's gone to the bitter end. So when God calls us to serve, when God calls us to be a servant, he's not calling us to do something that he hasn't done himself. He's not saying, here I am, you go and do something else. God is actually calling us to imitate him. God is the great servant and God wants us to be like him. It's the ultimate form of flattery. Our great God comes to us and says, come and be like me. I have served you. Come and serve as well. So so, so that model then of God's uh, service ought to shape the way that we think about uh, serving others. Uh, God's model of service ought to uh, compel us to serve others as well. So we might look at some people and think, well, I don't want to serve that person. Uh, Why should I serve that person? Because they're awful. (laughs) They've been horrible to me. Why should I serve them when they don't serve me? But Jesus says, actually, that's not love, isn't it? It's not love when you just do something to get something back. No, God's come and served us. He stooped down to us to serve us when we were his enemies when we were set against us. Or you might think that serving in a particular way is beneath you. You know, you can't possibly put out the chairs because your talents and your gifts are so far in advance of those kinds of things. But the God of the universe was not too big to serve us. He humbled himself when we ought to have exalted him. Uh, He made himself nothing when we ought to have made him everything. To serve means to give up ourselves, to give up our preferences, our priorities, to give up our status and our honour and to humble ourselves to the needs of others. We do that because that's what God has done for us in Jesus. 
So the character of God and the nature of the gospel shapes our service. But it needs to be said, I think, that God uh, serving us in Jesus is not just an example. It's not just, well, there's the example, go and do likewise. It's also the very foundation of our service. So at one point in the Gospels when Jesus' uh, disciples are fighting over which one of them is the most important, no, I'm the most important, no, I'm the most important, they're saying to each other, and Jesus comes to them and he says to them this, he says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The service of the disciples is to be grounded in the service of Jesus himself. They are to serve as Jesus served. But their service is not just grounded in his example, their service is also grounded in what Jesus' service achieved. How did Jesus serve us? He served us by giving his life as a ransom for us. Jesus ransomed us from the consequences of trying to kick God out of his own world. When Jesus came back to serve as the ultimate volunteer cleaner, He didn't come back to serve us by cleaning floors. He came back to clean away the consequences of us rejecting God and turning away from God. Why is that important? It's important because it means that when we we serve, we're not trying to ransom our own lives from God. So, So Jesus didn't say to the disciples, don't be like the Gentiles, don't, you know, but serve... Uh, and, and ransom your own lives through that from God. No, he doesn't say that. He says, serve as I have served, because I came and gave my life as a ransom for your life. We're not serving God in order to get something from God. We're not serving God in order to get right with God, or to earn God's favour, or to get in God's good books. We're not serving to make up for the past. Now, that kind of service is exhausting, right? If, you, if, if the reason that you're serving is to make up for the past, it is, it is full of guilt and, and full of uh, exhaustion and disappointment because you can never make up for the past. It never undoes it, does it? You know, when you're, when you're rude to someone and you try and deal with that by, by doing nice things to them, uh, that never actually makes up for the past, does it? No, nothing we do will ever be good enough for make up, to make up for what's happened. So when we serve according to the gospel, according to the good news, when we serve according to the, to the gospel, we serve because God has already served us by ransoming our lives for him. Ransoming our lives from our past, ransoming our lives to God's service. We serve because in Jesus we're already part of God's family, not because we're trying to get into it. Uh, So when we serve in the light of uh, the gospel then, uh, in the light of what God has done, it it frees us to serve with joy. So we don't have to despair over whether we've done everything 100% right, whether our service is as immaculate as it could be, We don't have to worry about that because we know that God delights in us 
whenever we serve him in Christ. So I always love to think, I always love to think of those terrible things that I made for my parents when I was a kid. I know, I'm sure you made them too, you know, the paddle pop stick pencil holder. Uh, and just the most atrocious piece of art, you know, <laughs> ever constructed. But I remember my father uh, and my mother having those on their desks, <laughs> you know, maybe even in their office at work. Extraordinary, isn't it, you know? Principal of a school, uh, you know, distinguished person, paddle pop stick pencil holder. But that's right, isn't it, you know? That why, why, why is it that our parents treasure those things? They don't treasure them because they're the most amazing version of that ever created, do they? They treasure them because we're their children and we made them and they're a gift from us out of love to them. And it's the same with God. When we've been set free by the gospel to be part of God's family and we serve God, God receives them not because... He receives our service not because it's the most amazing example of Christian service ever exhibited in the history of the world, but because we're his child and we love him and he loves us. We serve God because God has served us in Jesus and we serve God because he has set us free in Jesus to serve him without fear as his children. Uh, but who do we serve then? Well, uh, I guess at the risk of stating the obvious, the first person that we serve is God himself. And notice that even Jesus himself, the first person that he serves, first and foremost, is his father. He humbles himself to serve us, but he does that first and foremost because he's serving his father. His obedience to death on a cross is obedience to God. And so as you look at the rest of the New Testament, one of the key descriptions of Christians that you find is that they are slaves or servants of God. So Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, verse 17, But thanks be to God, though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. It's extraordinary, isn't it? Paul doesn't say, but thanks be to God, you used to be a slave to sin and now you are free to do whatever you want he says but thanks be to god you're a slave to sin you've been rescued by god to be a slave to righteousness and we think who would sign up for that to substitute one kind of slavery for another why would you do that but the bible says we've moved from being slaves and servants of something awful, something terrible, to being slaves and servants of something good, of God, slaves and servants of God. Whether we like it or not, we're all actually slaves to something. Uh, we're slaves to our appetite uh, or slaves to our sexual desires or slaves to our work uh, or slaves to our life dreams. Whatever it is, we can become a slave to almost anything. Uh, we serve those things because we think that they will make us happy, but they, they're cruel masters, actually. They beat us into servitude. <laughs> they rob from us rather than give to us. Uh, when we serve our appetite, we eat too much and it makes us sick. 
Uh, or when we uh, are slaves to our sexual desires, we end up destroying ourselves or our relationships. Uh, when we're slaves to work, we end up exhausted, burnt out, joyless. <laughs> Think of those people who spend their lives earning money to kit out their house and then have no time to enjoy any of the things that they've bought with their money. When we're slaves to our dreams, we often end up disappointed, either because we don't get what we want, or worse, I think, we do get what we want and we discover that it's not anywhere near as good as we thought that it would be. But if we belong to Jesus, the Bible says, we're not slaves to those kinds of things anymore. We're slaves and servants of God. We've been set free from serving those things to serve our loving Heavenly Father, which might sound terrifying at first. I don't want to be a slave of something until we realize that there's no better or no no safer place to be. What makes slavery evil is a master who abuses uh, his servants, who treats them viciously. A master who destroys them and bleeds them dry. But God is not a bad master. He desires our greatest good. Uh, I was at a conference yesterday in Hobart. I heard an illustration which I think captures uh, what the Bible is saying so beautifully. that The the speaker talked about there are three kinds of dogs in the world. Uh, There are the dogs that you see chained up in in someone's backyard. Uh, in a bare patch of bare patch of dirt, uh, no one there, chained up, miserable life. There are those dogs that you see uh, that are that are free wandering the streets. They have no house, no owner, no home. Uh, scavenging for food uh, in the rubbish, uh, trying to eke out a miserable existence. And then there are the dogs that you see walking along the way beside their master. Loved, provided for, and at the end of the day, with a home to go to. Which kind of existence is a better existence? To be chained up? To have the appearance of freedom, but actually to have no place to go? To have no provision, no home, no food? Or to be in a relationship with a master who loves us, who gives us what we need. We've been set free to walk with God, to walk beside him in the closest relationship to him. To know him, to love him, to be loved by him, to keep in step with him. As he walks, we walk beside him. We've been set free to find our deepest joy in living lives which please him. We've been set free, the Bible says, from slavery to sin so that we can serve God uh, with our lives. Paul says to the Corinthians in, in 2 Corinthians 5, And he died for all, Jesus died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them as and was raised for them. Why did he die? He died so that we wouldn't have to live for ourselves anymore, but so that we could live for God. Uh, so, so 
for those of you then who are, uh, for instance, in high school, uh, who've recently finished school, or maybe you're at university or just started work, uh, you might be thinking through the shape of your life. How does this, how does this uh, view of service then shape your life? How ought it to shape your life? Well, as you face those big life questions, what am I going to do with my life? You need to be asking the question, how am I going to be serving God in this? How am I going to be serving God uh, in my life? So the primary question that you need to ask yourself is not, what do I most want to do with my life? But rather, how can I serve God with the gifts that he's given me? Not what do I most want to do, but how can I serve God with the gifts that he's given me? Because actually, what I most want to do may not be the thing that will, in which I will find my deepest joy. The thing in which I'll find my deepest joy is having been set free to serve God with my life. And that may have a radically different shape to what I think it, think it ought to. It may be that God is calling you to give up your most precious life dream in order to serve him in some other way. Uh, your life dream might be to get a good job, to, uh, to marry, to have kids, to settle down to an easy life. But perhaps God is calling you to forsake every one of those things in order to serve others with the gospel uh, in a country where Christians are persecuted. Uh, it may be that the thing that you most want to do with your life doesn't line up with serving God. It may be that it's a career which actually just doesn't align with the values of, uh, of God. Uh, it may be that it's a career that has an unhelpful lifestyle which will limit your time with your future family or will limit the amount of time that you can serve uh, in the church or serve other people, serve your neighbours. It may be that there are relationships with friends and family or neighbours or the church that God is calling you to maintain, which means that you can't just go off and do whatever it is that you have your heart set on. Or it may be that there are relationships uh, and uh, treasured relationships that God is calling you to give up in order to pursue a task that he has prepared for you in advance. Whatever it is, the important thing is to put all those things on the table and to say to God, God, how are you calling me to serve you? My life belongs to you. Take me where you would have me go to do what you would have me do in the way that you would have me do it. You need to ask yourself the question, what is the thing that I could never, I could never possibly give up? And you need to say to God, God, this is on the table. If you want me to give that up to serve you, so be it. Because actually, this is the thing. That's the most profitable, enjoyable kind of life that there is to live. To give it all to God and to say, you know what, God, you take my life. It's yours. I don't want it. <laughs> what good has that ever brought me by serving me and my own ends and my own agenda? Uh, and that's true of us, actually, whatever stage of life we're at. We don't just have to be finishing school uh, or starting university. Our primary question ought to always be, not what do I most want to do, but... Uh, how can I serve God with the gifts he's given me? And that's true not just for the big things of life, but for the small things of life too. It's so easy to say, well, I've sorted out the big question of what I'm doing for my career and then fail to actually serve God with our gifts and small things. You might have great plans for the day, but God might have planned other good works in advance for you to do. 
things that you'd never imagined. And so serving God every day means starting every day by saying, Lord, uh, show me the good works that you prepared in advance for me to do and give me the strength and the gifts that I need to do them. And actually, the Bible is saying Christ died for that very purpose. Christ died for the purpose so that you and I, instead of asking, what do I most want to do today? What do I most want to do with my life? Christ died so that you and I could have the privilege to ask, how can I serve God with my gifts? So we serve God first and foremost, uh, and we serve him because he served us, because he ransomed us, uh, to serve him without fear. Uh, But one of the key ways that we serve God is by serving others. Uh, And that idea is really at the heart of what Paul is saying in this passage in in Philippians chapter 2. He says in verse 1, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So flowing out of Christ's example and flowing out of our unity in Christ, there's this comprehensive spirit of service. We're not to live out of selfish ambition or conceit. Rather, we're to serve. We're to think of others as more valuable, more important, to think of their interests as more valuable and more important than our own. Uh, It's worth pointing out, I think, that the primary context that Paul is speaking about here is the church. Uh, As a community of God's people who've committed to growing together in Christ, we ought to serve each other. We ought to consider the needs of others in the church as greater than our own needs. That's a radical shift in perspective from the kind of perspective that that is pressed onto us from our society. Uh, So our default question tends to be, how is this helping me? Uh, What am I getting out of church? What am I getting from others in the church? How are they serving me? Uh, But our default question ought to be, how can I serve others? How can I make make their life better? So instead of asking, what time is convenient for me to get to church? A better question to ask is, what time is convenient for me? uh, what, What time is it good for me to get there to encourage and help others? Or instead of asking, where is the most convenient place for me to sit? To ask, where can I sit to make the lives of others more convenient? Instead of asking, which people do I want to speak to? Ask, who here most needs my encouragement? Instead of only asking, what ministry areas or rosters best suit me and my time? Ask, in what areas can I serve others? And how can I adjust my life so that I can make that happen? Instead of asking, what's the least that I can serve and get away with? (laughs) Ask, what's the most that I can reasonably do to serve other people? Instead of asking, how can I use my gifts? Ask, what things need doing? Because sometimes the idea of gifts are a smokescreen for not serving. Well, I can't do that. Putting out chairs is not in my gift category. Uh, And cleaning up in the kitchen is not one of the gifts uh, that was revealed uh, in the course that I did. Now, instead of saying, I can't do that, 
Uh, I don't know how we ought to ask, is there a way that I can learn to do that so that I can serve in that way? So you might decide uh, to go away and to learn an instrument for the sole purpose of being able to serve people by leading the music on Sunday. Imagine that. Imagine if someone did that. They went away, they said, I'm going to learn, I'm going to learn an instrument, uh, I'm going to pay for a teacher and I'm going to, I'm going to set aside time to learn to, to, to practice my instrument for half an hour every day for three years so that I can get to the point where I can serve people uh, by playing music. That's a, that's a pretty high bar, isn't it? But that's, I think, the kind of thing that the Bible is calling us to do, to say, actually, how can I put the needs of other people above myself? How can I equip myself to serve other people? And actually, the list of ways that we can put the needs of other people beyond, above ourselves is almost endless. Uh, but I also don't want to, uh, I want to avoid the danger, I think, of reducing serving others to only what we do uh, as we gather as a church on Sundays or, or through the week. We ought to be serving others and putting their needs above our own throughout the whole of our lives. Uh, although the primary context of Paul's comments here are the church, it's clear from the rest of the Bible that the attitude, this attitude of service ought to spill out into all the areas of our lives. So the way of living that we practice together as a church kind of overflows, if you like, into every area of our life. In all our life, we end up asking the question, how can I serve others rather than serving myself? Uh, Finally, uh, one of the key ways I think that we can serve others outside the church uh, and even inside the church is by serving them in the way that God has served us, and that is by inviting them into fellowship with God through Christ. Uh, So in in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says, Christ's love compels us. The love of Christ in giving himself up uh, for, uh, for us compelled Paul to make Christ known, to urge people to be reconciled to God through Christ. Uh, Or in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul talks about the ways that he works to communicate to others the good news of what God has done in Jesus. So he says, Though I am free and belong to no one, so here's that language of slavery and freedom again. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have, what's he done? I have made myself a slave to everyone. (laughs) Why? To win as many as possible. To the Jews I became like a Jew, to win the Jews. To those under the law I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law I became like one not having the law, though I am free from God's law. I'm not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak. To win the weak, I become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. What's he done? He's shaped his life. He's given away his freedom in order to serve people, in order to be a slave to people, in order that he might win them for the sake of the gospel. That's how God has served us. Christ made himself nothing, gave up his honour, was crucified by us in order to reconcile us to God. And God calls us to serve others by making that same good news known to them as well. He calls us to reorder our lives, to put the needs of those who have never heard the gospel above our own needs, to be compelled by the love of Christ, to, to urge them and exhort them to embrace Jesus too. In other words, making the gospel known is not an extra addition to the Christian life, but it's actually a fundamental part of what it means to be a believer. 
It's a fundamental part of what it means to serve others as God has served us. Uh, What that will look like for each of us will vary in different circumstances, but serving others with the gospel ought to be a fundamental part uh, of our lives and we ought to plead for God's grace that he would make that uh, lie at the heart of who we are as his people. Uh, So so in finishing then... um, I just want to reflect, I guess, on, on some of the ways that we can move forward in, in, in trying to live as people serving God. We serve God because he served us, because he ransomed us to live without fear. We serve God and we serve others. Uh, but here are just some, some ways, I think, just some ideas. These are not biblical commands, but they're ideas that you might find helpful in thinking about how to grow in serving others. So the first one is uh, sign up if you haven't to, serve, to help out with something at church. Uh, why do that? Because serving in a formal role helps train us to serve in less formal ways. Uh, more than that, uh, if you're not serving in any way, uh, not even in kind of the most basic things, uh, then we, we need you. <laughs> we need your gifts uh, and we need uh, your love uh, as well. Uh, Second, I would say sign up to the hardest thing that you feel able to do. Uh, So one of the hardest things in a church is to fill uh, positions that require more Christian maturity. So it's easier, easier, right, to find people to wash up than it is to teach Sunday school uh, or or to lead lead, uh, youth ministry. So sign up for the the thing. Uh, One of the ways of putting the needs of others above yourself is to do the hardest thing that you can do. Uh, rather than the easiest thing. Third, I think, think concretely about what the commitment is and whether that's achievable. So I think often when someone says, can you do that, we kind of think about our lives and we go, no, I can't do that, Uh, kind of based on the vibe, I think, of busyness that we might have. And it can be really helpful to sit down and to go, actually, what's the requirement here? Uh, And what time do I have available? Uh, So you... To give an example, you might think of Sunday school and you go, well, what's the requirement, okay? They're asking me to teach for four weeks, so that means uh, sitting out of the service for four weeks. It means like one to two hours of preparation for four weeks. So that's like, what, three hours for four weeks of the year? That's not like, that's not a massive, on paper, that's not a massive thing. You can probably, you could probably squeeze that out, right, for four weeks. Uh, Fourth, uh, so, so think about it. Think what you can actually achieve, uh, what it requires on paper. Fourth, uh, if you've got kids, get them serving too. So when I, when I uh, got to high school, my mum said to me, uh, being a very direct kind of person, she came to me and said, all right, Carl, you've got, you're in high school now, you need to be serving, helping out with something at church. Uh, and being a, also a very direct person, she said, and if you don't choose, I'll choose something for you, which I... Uh, I'm not sure I appreciated that for all the, uh, it was worth at the time. But I'm so glad that she did because it got me helping out and serving uh, in a way that I wouldn't have if she hadn't have done that. If she hadn't have done that, what would have happened would, would have been that I would have got to 18, uh, uh, I would have left school and I would never have started serving in the church. Uh, actually, because she hadn't taught me uh, she wouldn't have taught me the, that attitude and that requirement for service. Uh, it doesn't have to be complicated. It can start by saying, right, I've got to set up the chairs this morning. You're coming too. Uh, you can help me. 
uh, or I'm cleaning up in the kitchen, come and help me do that. Uh, or if you're in a high school yourself, uh, my encouragement is to beat your parents to it today. So think about between now and when you get home what you're going to do and uh, jump the gun and help, ask them to help you to sign up for serving in the church. Uh, fifth, start praying that God will show you ways that you can serve others in less formal ways too and ask that he would give you the energy and the love to be able to do that. Sixth, write down some, the names of five friends of yours who aren't Christians and pray for one of them every day that God will give you the opportunity to serve them with the gospel. Seventh, be prepared for service to be difficult. Service costs Jesus his life and it will cost your life as well. Paul says, For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. And eighth and last, remember that God's power is made perfect in weakness. God's power is made perfect in weakness. Some of us can't even put one foot in front of the other because of the circumstances of our lives, whether that's because of sickness or uh, uh, mental um, ill health, uh, or whether it's just because of our life circumstances. We might be dealing with trauma in our lives, the death of someone that we love, or the breakdown of a marriage, uh, and that affects the ways that we can serve. Uh, our service in those situations may simply be turning up, doing our best to smile, doing our best to listen, and doing our best to weep with people who are weeping. Uh, but even in those situations, we need to remember that God's power is made perfect in weakness, that God's grace is sufficient for us, and it's not the strength that we feel in serving other people, uh, but it's the power of God in using us uh, in our weakness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have loved us and served us in Jesus Christ, uh, that Jesus did not uh, so tightly cling on to his own honour and dignity that he would refuse to come down and serve us. But he humbled himself, took on the nature of a servant, uh, and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Lord, thank you that you have served us in Jesus and ransomed our lives from slavery to all manner of things which destroy us. Lord, help us to embrace that truth in the gospel uh, and, Lord, to give our lives in service to you. Give us joy in that, but also help us to endure the cost and help us to trust that you can use us even when we feel unserviceable and help us to trust that you delight in us even when we feel that our service is not as good as it could be. And help us to trust that you can use us even when we feel weak and worthless. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.